You know, the fact that our God became flesh and walked on the earth is, is no small part of our faith. The fact is, our Lord is a next-door Savior, close enough to touch, strong enough to trust. And because he came into our world, we can actually stand in places where Jesus stood and realize Jesus felt this ground beneath his feet so he understands what I face. We can walk where Jesus walked. We can look out over a sea, the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus looked over similar waters, the same sea. We can stand at the southern steps of of Jerusalem where Jesus preached and say, Jesus preached right here. We can walk into a synagogue where, where Jesus received the scrolls and read the scripture and say, my goodness, he was right here when that happened. We can walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And over the next six weeks, we're going to do exactly that. I've got good news we're all going to Israel. <laughs> I've got better news. You don't have to get a passport or pack a bag. Over the last several decades, I've made many trips to Israel, uh, usually with the entourage of people. We're having a teaching week or two and pausing at the different places in the Holy Land, considering what Jesus did or what was said or what happened right here. Every single occasion, I think, oh, if only the whole church could come. If the whole church could come. And since that's really not possible, we came up with a way, since we can't all go to Israel, we came up with a way of bringing Israel to the church. If you're watching online, boy, did you pick a perfect time to be logging in. And if this is your first time or one of your first times to be a part of the Oak Hills Church Worship Service, I pray that these next six weeks will be a part of your regular calendar because it's going to be a life-changing, eye-opening, and heart-changing experience as we walk through the Holy Land. On a recent trip to Israel, we decided to take a, a film crew. Actually, we didn't take them. We, we enlisted a film crew right there in Israel and captured the messages and uh, those are the very messages that are going to comprise uh, this teaching session over the next six weeks. We begin today on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, near the city of Capernaum. Now, when I say the city of Capernaum, that might be a bit of a stretch by today's standards the scholars believe there were about 1,500 people living in Capernaum when Jesus was a part of the city. It was a fishing village located on the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee. It was bursting with bait, needled with nets. And it was here that Jesus befriended some fishers of fish and led them to become fishers of people. Uh, fishermen like Peter and James and John and Andrew. Beyond fishing, or, or perhaps because of the great fishing, Capernaum was a bustling, popular 
trading post. The city even had its own synagogue. That synagogue is a place where Jesus preached. And that synagogue is one of those places where a person can stand and say, Jesus was right here. That synagogue is central to our story today as we're about to explore one of the events that occurred in the life of the leader of that synagogue, a man by the name of Jairus, J-A-I-R-U-S. He and his wife had one daughter, and that one daughter was very sick, and he wondered if Jesus would help his daughter. And so to answer that question, let's go, shall we, to Galilee, Let's stand on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and let's hear the story of Jairus in Capernaum. Do you think he can? Do you think he cares? Do you think he'll come? The questions emerge from the mother's heart and fear drapes the mother's face. Her husband stops at the door of their house and he, and he looks back into her tired, frightened eyes and looked over, looks over her shoulder at the figure of his sick daughter who is lying on the pallet. The girl shivers from the fever. The mother weeps from the sorrow. And the father shrugs his shoulders in desperation. And he says, I do not know what he will do. But I do not know what else to do. The crowd outside parts as he steps out the door. They would any day. He's the city leader. But they do especially on this day because his daughter is dying. Bless you, Jairus, one of them offers, but Jairus says nothing in return. He only thinks about those three questions of his wife. Do you think he can? Do you think he cares? Do you think he'll come? Jairus steps quickly down the path through the fishing village of Capernaum. The size of the following crowd increases with every person. They know where he goes. They know whom he seeks. And Jairus goes to the shore of Galilee to seek Jesus. And as they near the water's edge, they spot the teacher. The teacher already encircled by a throng of people. A citizen steps ahead to, to clear the, the path so that Jairus can pass. The villagers comply and a red sea of humanity opens, walled by people on either side and Jairus wastes no seconds. When he sees Christ, he falls to his knees beside himself as he begs, my daughter is at death's door. Come lay hands on her so she will get well and live. Jesus went with him. The whole crowd tagging along, pushing and jostling him. Jesus' instant 
willingness moistens the eyes of Jairus. And for the first time in a long time, a sun ray of hope falls upon his shadowed heart. And he dares to think, Jesus can help. Jesus does care. And Jesus will come. People scatter out of the way and then step in behind and servants rush ahead of Jairus to, to tell his wife the good news. But then just as suddenly as Jesus came, Jesus stops. The people stopped when Jesus did. Jairus, unaware that everyone has stopped, has taken a dozen steps before he turns and looks and realizes that Jesus is no longer following him. He can't see what's happening for the crowd of people. We can see what is happening because we follow the lens of the gospel writer as the lens turns and focuses on a lady who has crab scurried her way through the crowd. I level at waist at the highest, maybe knee level. And she has threaded her way through the, the legs of the crowd. And, and, and in her mind is this thought, if I can just touch the hem of him. For 12 years, she has been untouchable. For 12 years, she's been unapproachable. For 12 years, she's been turned away from her own home, from every synagogue. She's gone from doctor to doctor to doctor until she's dead broke and has no hope. She is not allowed, according to her law or to the law of her people, to come into contact with people, but what else can they do to her? And so when she hears that Jesus has come to Capernaum, she creeps along the edge of the mob of people until there's a slight opening, just enough. And we don't know if it's faith or desperation or a combination of the both. But she weaves her way in and she reaches out and she touches the hem of the garment. The divinity of Christ is ahead of the humanity of Christ because he feels a rush go out. And she feels a rush go in. And Jesus stops and says, now something just happened. Such a fascinating moment. Who touched me? The disciples think he's kidding. I mean, it's kind of like being in a crowded elevator. Everybody squeezing up against one another. Somebody said, who touched me? Well, everybody touched you. But then there is touching and there is touching. And somebody touched passion of God was so overarching that she said not a word aloud and the healing came. And finally, she has enough courage to inch her way toward Christ. And I love that translation that says, Jesus waited as she told him her whole 
story. I wonder how long it had been since anyone cared enough to listen to her story. But Jesus wouldn't budge until he heard everything that had happened. Jairus is growing impatient. He's on the outside of the circle. Seconds are passing. His daughter is passing. He doesn't know whether to interrupt what's happening or to give up on Christ. But before he even has an opportunity to make a decision, a servant comes up and places a hand on his shoulder and says the words that no parent bear here. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Jairus has an answer to the questions. I wonder if he can. I wonder if he cares. I wonder if he'll come. And he doesn't like the answer. It's fallen to me on a few occasions to carry out the role of the servant. Maybe it has to you to inform someone of the passing of someone they love. I recall telling a father that his son had passed in an accident. I recall telling my three siblings of the death of my own father. I recall telling a little girl that her father had taken his own life. In those moments, there is always a pause. After a few moments, there will be wailing, there will be denial, there will be anger, but there's always, isn't there, there's a, there's a pause, a, a heavy, sad silence. As if the heart does not know what to say. Or the heart does not want to say. And I wonder if there was such a silence. And into that silence is when Jesus spoke. Because Jesus takes over here. He trims his team down to fighting size. Only Peter, James, and John. He permitted no one to follow him. Except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. <laughs> and I love verse 39 when he tells the mourners to shut up. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they mocked him. They mocked him. They mocked him. I would not like to have been that person who made fun of Jesus. They mocked him. And then Mark says, He had them all put outside. That's a wimpy translation. Ek. Balo, E-K-B-A-L-L-O, used later to describe what Jesus did to the money changers in the temple. Same verb. Jesus cleared out the atmosphere. He cleaned out the room. He wanted the presence of faith 
And then he turned his attention to the body of the girl. And with the confidence of, of Einstein being asked, what is two plus two? With the confidence of, of Ben Hogan over a one-foot putt. With the confidence of Beethoven being asked to play chopsticks. He walks and he kneels over the body of this girl and the questions surface again. Does he care? Does he care? Dare we believe that God can be both mighty and tender? Mighty and tender. Have muscle and mercy. Does the plight of a 12-year-old girl in Capernaum, Podunkville, does the plight of a, a little girl whose name did not even make its way into the story, does that matter to God? Really, the answer to that question appeared earlier in the story. You might have missed it. Go back to the crowd. Go back to the Jairus, the, the synagogue leader, as he, with frustration, is looking from the outside in. And, and, and that moment in which the servant came up and, and tapped him on the shoulder and said, don't bother the teacher any longer. Your daughter is dead. Go back to that moment because here's what happened. Jesus, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. Now Jesus was in the middle of that crowd. He was listening to the story of the woman who had just been healed. He was surrounded by his disciples. He was surrounded by all the people of Capernaum. But look, he was still listening to what was happening to Jairus. He had not forgotten Jairus. As soon as he heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, now don't be afraid. Only believe. Oh, how kind and pastoral of Christ. No one had to tell him about the girl's death. Though separated from Jairus, though occupied with the case of the woman, though encircled by a crowd of villagers, he never took his ear off the girl's father. He heard, he cared. And so he went directly to the house. And he took the father and the mother of the child who were with him, and he entered where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked. You know, a pronouncement from the path would have worked. A declaration from afar would have awakened the girl's heart. But Jesus wanted to, I think, do more than just raise the dead. He wanted to show us that he not only cares and he not only can, but he wants us to know that he comes. He comes. He comes in the form of encouragement. He comes in the form of help. He comes in the form of kindness. I wonder what Jesus would like to say to you through this story. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Look what I did for the woman who had been turned away and shunned for 12 years. I did in an instant. I restored not only her health. I restored her place in society. 
I restored her dignity. I gave her her name back. And Jairus, and Jairus' wife, and Jairus' daughter, they wondered if I cared. They wondered if I could. They wondered if I would come. Yes, yes, yes. Is he saying to you, he still does. We took our family to Hawaii a few years back. Three and a half year old Rosie. You know, grandparents get to tell grandchildren stories in sermons. Three and a half year old Rosie had never, of course, been to Hawaii and she had never seen the ocean. And so the first morning, we all woke up early because of the time change. We all went down to the beach. And as the sun came up, she began to see her first waves. Her first waves, one after another, after another, after another, after another. And we all wondered, what was she thinking? And would she say anything? And after some time, she finally looked at her dad and she asked the question, when do they turn it off? <laughs> we all ask that question about the affection of God. Is it going to get turned off? Am I going to do something so bad? Am I going to have a problem so big that finally they'll just have to turn off the compassion? And to those concerns, the scripture says, For as high as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. And as a father pities his child, so the Lord pities those who fear them. So how was your trip to Israel? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Can we say those words aloud together? Don't be afraid. Just believe. There's your memory verse for the week. There's your mantra for life. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Let's keep in mind that stories about Jesus in the Bible are not there just to tell us what Jesus did, but to tell us what Jesus does. And so to anyone who can relate to the woman with the issue of blood who had been cut off and marginalized by society and Jesus received her and healed her, he says, you still matter. I want to hear your story. And to those who have concerns in their life that far outstrip their pay grade or ability to solve them like Jairus and the wife, he says, don't be afraid, just believe. I find it really instructive the way Jesus cleaned the house, got all the naysayers out, got all the doubters out. That might be a practical point for you. Maybe you need to turn off a few radio or TV stations. Maybe you need to tune out some online messaging. Maybe you need to avoid some people who are always speaking negativity and anxiety you know fear is contagious maybe you're catching a case of fear from somebody 
Maybe it's time to put up some walls and say, I just need to listen to him because I know what he says. What they say is dragging me down, but what he says builds me up. And so I'm going to hear him. And he says, don't be afraid, just believe.